Hello and welcome to D&D Learning the Game. I'm your host, Jason DM, and today we are going to be reading over the Rogue section of the Player's Handbook. Um, if you've never played a Rogue before, they should always be approached as being a sneaky, sneaky character. Um, I'm going to read over the book first, and if there's any key points from it that need to be discussed, I'll cover that. Um, the book should do what they always does with what we've learnt in the other sections. It'll give us a good kind of overview of how the character should be played. If there's anything that I feel that needs to be added, I'll cover it. But mostly today, this is mostly for any new players, so I'll only really cover anything between uh, that's in anything that's important between uh, levels one to three. So without messing about, if you turn to page 94 of the player's handbook, it reads Rogue. Signalling for her companions to wait, a halfling creeps forward through the dungeon hall. She presses an ear to the door, then pulls out a set of tools and picks the lock in the blink of an eye. Then she disappears into the shadows as her fighter friend moves forward to kick the door open. A human lurks in the shadows of an alley while his accomplice prepares for her part in the ambush. When their target a notorious slaver passes the alleyway, the accomplice cries out, the slaver comes to investigate, and the assassin's blade cuts his throat before he can make a sound. Suppressing a giggle, a gnome waggles her fingers and magically lifts the keyring from the guard's belt. In a moment, the keys are in her hand, and the cell door is open, and she and her companions are free to make their escape. Rogues rely on skill, stealth, and their foes' vulnerabilities to get the upper hand in any situation. They have a knack for finding the solution to just about any problem, demonstrating a resourcefulness and versatility that is the cornerstone of any successful adventuring party. Skill and precision. Rogues devote as much effort to mastering the use of a variety of skills as they do to perfecting their combat abilities, giving them a broad expertise that few other characters can match. Many rogues focus on stealth and deception, while others refine the skills that help them in a dungeon environment, such as climbing, finding and disarming traps and opening locks. When it comes to combat, rogues prioritise cunning over brute strength. A rogue would rather make one precise strike, placing it exactly where the attack will hurt the target most, than wear an opponent down with a barrage of attacks. Rogues have an almost supernatural knack for avoiding danger, and a few learn magical tricks to supplement their other abilities. A shady living. Every town and city has its share of rogues. Most of them live up to the worst stereotypes of the class, making a living as burglars, assassins, cut purses and con artists. Often these scoundrels are organised into thieves guilds or crime families. Plenty of rogues operate independently, but even they sometimes recruit apprentices to help them in their scams and heists. A few rogues make an honest living, as locksmiths, investigators, 
or exterminators, which can be a dangerous job in a world where dire rats and were-rats haunt the sewers. As adventurers, rogues fall on both sides of the law. Some are hardened criminals who decided to seek their fortune in treasure hoards, while others take up a life of adventure to escape from the law. Some have learned and perfected their skills with the explicit purpose of infiltrating ancient ruins and hidden crypts in search of treasure. Creating a rogue. As you create your rogue character, consider the character's relationship to the law. Do they have a criminal past or present? Are you on the run from the law or from an angry thieves guild master? Or did you leave your guild in search of bigger risks and bigger rewards? Is it greed that drives you in your adventures or some other desire or ideal? What was the trigger that led you away from your previous life? Did a great con or heist gone terribly wrong cause you to reevaluate your career? Maybe you were lucky and the successful robbery gave you the coin you needed to escape the squalor of your life. Did wanderlust finally call you away from your home? Perhaps you suddenly found yourself cut off from your family or your mentor and you had to find a new means of support. Or maybe you made a new friend, another member of your adventuring party, who showed you new possibilities for earning a living and employing your particular talents. So if you're looking to quickly build a rogue, you can make a rogue quickly by following these suggestions. First, dexterity should always be your highest ability score. Make intelligence your next highest if you want to excel at investigation or plan to take up the arcane trickster archetype. Choose charisma instead if you plan to emphasise deception and social interaction. Second, choose the charlatan background. So if we look up at the table um, that's on page 95 for the rogue level one, uh, you will have a proficiency bonus of plus two and your sneak attack will do a extra 1d6 damage. You will also gain the features expertise, sneak attack and thieves can't. I'll cover these in a wee second once they get through the next two levels. So at second level you'll continue to have a plus two proficiency bonus. Your sneak attack will only do 1d6 and you'll also gain the feature cunning action. And then at third level you'll have a proficiency bonus of plus two but now your sneak attack will also will do 2d6 damage and you'll gain a roguish archetype. So. As a rogue, you have the following class features. You gain hit points. The hit dice that you'll have is 1d8, so your hit points at first level will be 8, plus your constitution modifier, that's just at first level. Then at higher levels, it will be 1d8, or you can take the average of 5, plus your constitution modifier per rogue level after first. Your proficiencies, so your armor will be light armor, Weapons will be simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, short swords. Tools will be thieves tools. Saving throws will be dexterity and intelligence. Skills, choose four from acrobatics, athletics, deception, insight, intimidation, investigation, perception, performance, persuasion, sleight of hand and stealth. You get to choose quite a lot as a rogue, so that is 
one of the better parts of choosing a rogue. Not only do you get your sneak attack, which adds, which adds extra die to the hit points uh, that you're taking off a person, you also get to choose four from those skills, which makes you quite proficient in quite a few different things. Your equipment that you start with, uh, in addition to the equipment granted, so you'll gain this following equipment plus the equipment that's granted by your background. So you'll gain a rapier or you can choose a short sword. You can choose a short bow and a quiver of 20 arrows or you can have another short sword if you're maybe wanting to dual wield straight off the bat. You'll then be able to pick a burglar's pack, a dungeoneer's pack or an explorer's pack. You'll then have leather armor, two daggers and thieves tools. So at first level, as I said, you gain expertise. At first level, choose two of the skill proficiencies or one of your skill proficiencies and your proficiency with Thieves Tools. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make uh, that uses either of the chosen proficiencies. So that, if you remember, I just said the other now, uh, when we were saying choose uh, four from the uh, skills, sleight of hand, stealth, performance, etc, etc. Two of them, you get a double with expertise. So you now became an expert in two of them. So if I can give a recommendation, I would choose stealth and possibly even uh, maybe sleight of hand. Since you, you, I mean, you're playing a thief, so you may as well have it that your two main things, stealth and sleight of hand, that you're constantly an expert in. Uh, so if you were, say, that you picked them originally as your uh, proficiencies, so that would give you plus two on top of the proficiency bonus you already have, um, or whatever you've already put into them. Sorry, I'm saying that wrong. So the proficiency bonus will come from you choosing them as a proficiency and whatever you've put into the main attribute for that skill. So say it was plus three, plus the two of the skills. And then if you get a expert that, if it was say sitting at five, when you added your proficiency into it, um, by experting in it, it now goes up to plus 10. Um, so it's, it's quite a powerful thing to have, that expertise. So don't overlook it and make sure you get it right. Of course, you can open up the book and read it yourself. It's on page 96 um, of the player's handbook. Next up, you gain sneak attack. So beginning at first level, you know how to strike subtly and exploit a foe's distraction. Once per turn, you can deal an extra 1d6 damage to one creature you hit with an attack if you have advantage on the attack roll. The attack must use a finesse or ranged weapon. You don't need advantage on the attack roll if another enemy target is within five feet of it. That enemy isn't incapacitated and you don't have disadvantage on the attack roll. Um, the amount of extra damage increases as you gain levels in this class as shown in the sneak attack call of the rogue table. So pretty self-explanatory, just make sure that you've always got advantage um, if you're shooting them with an arrow from above or if you're coming from behind a wall or something. Something that gives you advantage, try to always seek it. Um, but if they're in, essentially if they're combat or distracted by someone else who's within five feet of them, you can technically do that extra 1d6 or 2d6 damage depending on your level straight off the bat because they're probably engaged with someone else or 
whatever you as, as long as you don't have disadvantage in that moment you'll be able to do the extra damage thieves can't during your rogue training you learned thieves can't a secret mix of dialect jargon and code that allows you to hide messages in seemingly normal conversations only another creature that knows thieves can't understands such messages it takes four times longer to convey such a message than it does to speak the same idea plainly in addition you understand a set of secret signs and symbols used to convey short simple messages such as whether an area is dangerous or the territory of a thieves guild whether loot is nearby or whether the people in an area are easy marks or will provide a safe house for thieves on the run of course, please feel free to leave that open to your interpretation. There's other things that you can have thieves can't mean. It's quite handy if you're playing a if you're playing in a game that does have quite a lot of thievery going on, or maybe you're involved in the thieves guild. Then it's it's obviously going to be very beneficial to be the rogue in the party because then you can suddenly use thieves can't to communicate with others that are without. Um, without causing any stir if you're in a certain situation or if you're at a bar etc etc so cunning action starting at second level your quick thinking and agility allow you to move and act quickly you can take a bonus action on each of your turns in combat this action can be used only to take the dash disengage or hide action rogue archetype roguish archetype at third level you choose an archetype that you emulate in the exercise of your rogue abilities thief assassin or arcane trickster all detailed at the end of the class description your archetype choice grants you features at third level and further beyond and that is that for in terms of the uh, extra abilities that you'll gain the extra little features that you gain from levels one to three now looking at the rogue archetypes if you have to choose one at third level first off uh, rogues have many features in common including their emphasis on perfecting their skills their precise and deadly approach to combat and their increasingly quick reflexes but different rogues steer those talents in varying directions embodied by the rogue archetypes your choice of archetype is a reflection of your focus not necessarily an indication of your chosen profession but a description of your preferred techniques so thief you hone your skills in the larser larsenious <laughs> arts um Burglars, bandits, cut purses, and other criminals typically follow their this archetype, but so do rogues who prefer to think of themselves as professional treasure seekers, explorers, delvers, and investigators. In addition to improving your agility and stealth, you learn skills useful for delving into ancient ruins, reading unfamiliar languages, and using magic items you normally couldn't employ. So you gain fast hands at third level. You can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to make a dexterity sleight of hand check. Use your thieves tools to disarm a trap or open a lock or take the use an object action. So you've now got quite a lot extra that you can do on your bonus action. 
Second, story work. When you choose this archetype at third level, you gain the ability to climb faster than normal. Climbing no longer costs you extra movement. In addition, when you make a running jump, the distance you cover increases by a number of feet equal to your dexterity modifier. Pretty handy. So the next one after that is Assassin. So those two were what you gain at third level as a thief. Now as an assassin, you focus your training on the grim art of death. Those who adhere to this archetype are diverse, hired killers, spies, bounty hunters, and even specifically anointed priests trained to exterminate the enemies of their deity. Stealth, poison, and disguise help you eliminate your foes with deadly efficiency. Bonus proficiencies. So when you choose this archetype at third level, you gain proficiency with the Disguise Kit and the Poisoner's Kit. Assassinate. Starting at third level, you are at your deadliest when you get the drop on your enemies. You have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken a turn in the combat yet. In addition, any hit you score against a creature that is surprised is a critical hit. I'll read that again. (laughs) In addition, any hit you score against a creature that is surprised is a critical hit. So that's what you gain as an assassin at third level. And then next one is Arcane Trickster. Trickster. Some rogues enhance their fine honed skills of stealth and agility with magic, learning tricks of enchantment and illusion. These rogues include pickpockets and burglars, but are also pranksters, mischief makers, and a significant number of adventurers. So spell casting. So when you reach third level, you gain the ability to cast spells. See chapter 10 for the general rules of spell casting or chapter 11 for the wizard spell list. If you want, I've also made another uh, podcast episode that's further back that will be about uh, spell casting, which you can listen to if you want the rules on spell casting. So cantrips, you learn three cantrips. Mage Hand and two other cantrips of your choice from the wizard spell list. Uh, You learn another wizard cantrip of your choice at level 10. Spell slots. The Arcane Trickster spellcasting table shows how many spell slots you have to cast your spells of first level and higher. To cast one of these spells, you must expend a slot of the spells level or higher. You regain all expended spell slots when you finish a long rest. For example, if you know the first level spell Charm Person and have a first level and a second level spell slot available, you can cast Charm Person using either slot. Spells known of first level and higher. You know three first level wizard spells of your choice, two of which you must choose from the enchantment and illusion spells of the wizard's spell list. The spells known column of the Arcane Trickster spellcasting table shows when you learn more wizard spells of the first level or higher. Each of these spells must be an enchantment or illusion spell of your choice and must be of a level of for which you have the spell slots. For instance, when you reach 7th level in the class, you can learn one new spell of 1st or 2nd level. The spells you learn at 8th, 14th and 20th level can come from any school of magic. 
Whenever you gain a level in this class, you can replace one of the wizard spells you know from another spell of your choice from the wizard's spell list. The new spell must be of a level for which you have spell slots and it must be an enchantment or illusion spell. Unless you're replacing the spell you gained at 8th, 14th or 20th level. Spell casting ability. Intelligence is your spell casting ability for your wizard spells. Since you learn your spells through dedication, study and memorization. You use your intelligence whenever a spell refers to your spell casting ability. In addition, you use your intelligence modifier when setting the saving throw DC for a wizard spell you cast and when making an attack roll with one. So spell save DC equals eight plus your proficiency bonus, which should be plus two, plus your intelligence modifier. So your spell attack modifier will be your proficiency bonus plus two plus your intelligence modifier so whatever that's sitting at so the spell save dc is how difficult what the uh, person you're attacking has to roll over to see whether or not they take full damage half damage or no damage and then the spell attack modifier is just whether or not you hit so it'll say it's usually when you're doing like a ranged ranged spell attack it'll add, tell you to roll your spell attack modifier uh, you get to add that onto whatever you roll to see whether you hit or not. Uh, Mage Hand Ledgerman. Starting at third level, when you cast Mage Hand, you can make the Spectral Hand invisible and you can perform the following additional tasks with it. You can throw one object the hand is holding in a container worn or carried by another creature. You can retrieve an object in a container worn or carried by another creature and you can use thieves tools to pick locks and disarm traps at range you can perform one of these tasks without being noticed by a creature if you succeed a dexterity sleight of hand check contested by the creature's wisdom perception check in addition you can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to control the hand and that is that so i'll just quickly go over the arcane trickster uh spell slot table so at third level as a rogue you'll gain three cantrips known and you'll know three spells separate from that and you'll have two first level spell slots to use and that is that for the rogue section of the player's handbook uh just as some closing comments on how to play a rogue I would recommend if you're going to play a rogue, play the rogue fairly. Um, it doesn't talk much. It does mention a little bit about uh, putting your points into charisma if you want to be a kind of uh, a charismatic trickster or someone who's the kind of jack jack the lad type player. Um, if you're going to play them, please do not steal from the other players at the table. And I'm saying that as a DM. As a player, I would only say that, that you're trying to build up trust with the other people that are sitting at the table. And yes, it can be very tempting to begin stealing stuff from other people when they're not looking and it can be all mischievous and you might be doing it through sending texts to the DM or just writing it on a piece of paper and handing it over to them. I've had it happen to me 
both as a player having things stolen from me and as a DM witnessing people trying to steal from others. It has now caused me as a DM to incorporate it into my kind of pre-game speech or just a note to everyone who plays a rogue at the table that I say to them, you are not allowed to steal from anyone else at the table because it just results in arguments. It results in arguments and causes too much of a fuss and it can detract from the game. That being said, everyone else is free game. Uh, And the point that you play a rogue is so that you can steal stuff and be sneaky and assassinate or, you know, climb in the window and find an alternative route and that's how you should play a rogue. I'm not telling you that you can't steal from people at the table. I would just recommend it. Have that discussion with your DM and see whether or not they feel like it's something that they would like to encourage or not. Other than that, yeah, the people that you're going to be interacting with, all these shop owners, all these different people, why not steal from them? You are a hero in some fashion. Um, If you're going to be that rogue, you're going to be the person that's got the, the sticky fingers when you're in the shop and you happen to steal a wand or you know, as I explained in one of my earlier episodes, always look for where the opportunity lies. Look for where you can find the advantage. So if you're in the social part of the game, you are probably going to be the one that's going to be finding traps, that's trying to uh, do some of the talking. If you don't have any players within the team who are particularly good at talking, then you're probably going to be it and uh, you're going to be the one that's able to gain intel that will be the if you're doing the quest that's quite revolving around more of the the darker side of the world and and the underbelly and you know the assassins guilds or creeds that are within the game then you're probably going to be taken forefront not the paladin that isn't their world if you're a rogue this is your world you're the one that's going to be dealing with some dodgy characters that said, uh, when you come to the combat side of things as a rogue, use your sneak attack. Uh, make the most of that. You've got that um, bonus action straight away or run at second level. You've got that bonus action that allows you to take hide as as basically a, as a bonus action within your turn. You can also disengage. You can't use both of them in the same turn but you can disengage with someone move away from them use your full extent of your your distance you can travel and get somewhere so that in your next turn you can use hide which instantly puts you hidden um, as long as you succeed on the roll to hide and then come back round and sneak attack someone get them where you've got an advantage or wait for them to pass you and hit and strike out you're going to do an extra 1d6 if you're third level, 2d6 damage, as well as if you're that assassin, you will have, I think it mentioned that you'll have like an insane advantage on being able to hit someone and do a tremendous amount of damage. So depending on how you want to create your character and, and from those options that I've just mentioned, you've got a lot to pick from. But if you're brand new to the game, I would recommend stick to the bare options and try and make it as easy as possible for yourself. So yeah, pick the assassin, 
um, because it seems like that's given you the most amount of uh, feats and, and easiest to understand rules as a rogue, don't probably stay stay away from the arcane trickster because you're 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 just taking on too much there i think and and you've already got the rules to remember for sneaking you've got the rules to remember for your extra damage that you do when you sneak attack you've got the the rules that you need to remember for a lot happening otherwise with all your skills and your proficiencies without even having to begin thinking about spell casting and the DC for that and it, it's maybe just too much for you to learn when it's your first ever time playing if it's not your first ever time playing by all means go for it but if it is I would recommend if you're having to go in at third level pick assassin other than that first level you should be sorted pretty easy to play just remember your proficiency is plus two um, and that is that that is today's episode for D&D, learning the game. Uh, thank you again for listening along. Um, if you would like to follow my Twitter, it is at JasonDM14. Um, and you can also find my most recent adventures on the DMs Guild. The most recent one that I've created is the Tomb of the Headstone Helm. It's completely free, but if you give any money towards it, it all goes towards working with kids with learning difficulties to play Dungeons & Dragons. So, once again, thank you very much for listening, and I hope you're having a great day. Bye!